0: You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com.
1: This is Pet Pulse News from Zoo2.com. Z-O-O-T-O-O. The leader in pet news and information. And now, here are the top stories. Guinness says the world record for largest mass dog wedding was set in 2007. Ah, but that standard was recently put to the test. In Illinois, Pet Pulse reporter Serena Brain crashes the latest attempt to beat the betrothed best.
2: Bad weather threatens to ruin the most meticulously planned weddings, but not even bone-chilling cold could keep the crowds away from this ceremony, not when making history is at stake. This is Miss Ruby. Hi, Miss Ruby. (laughs) Doesn't she look beautiful? She just married her, her
3: boyfriend here, Davey, today.
2: But the potential for the unprecedented isn't just because two pooches tied the knot. It's because on this blustery day in the Chicagoland suburb of Oak Park, More than 100 of them did, all at once. It's just a a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to do something like this. The pet pandemonium was part of an attempt to break the Guinness World Record for mass dog wedding, a standard the residents of Littleton, Colorado first set at 178 pup couples in 2007. With more than 60,000 applications to sift through every year, the Guinness folk have to be selective about the attempts they witness. But they so liked Oak Park's idea that they sent adjudicator Danny Gerton Jr. to preside over the event.
4: It was creative, it's
0: family-friendly, it's exciting, so it, w- it was a perfect fit for what Guinness World Records is all about.
2: I do dog on it was also the North American kickoff event for Guinness World Records Week. But despite hopeful beginnings, their efforts came up short.
3: I still thank you all for coming out in true Guinness World Records fashion to help achieve something truly great. Thank you very much.
2: Final tally was 87 couples. Just shy of half of the existing record, it was more than enough to ensure a happy
5: crowd and canine conjugal bliss. I am so thrilled that so many people came out on a day like this. I mean just I think um dog lovers are just a hearty group and uh, they came out to support this event and they have a lot of fun so that in my mind, made it a very successful, heartwarming day. It was worth it.
0: This is a blast. It was really exciting to see people be creative, have fun. At 9 this morning, I was hoping
1: to have three couples. So an 87 is, is excellent, so we're very happy.
2: And they haven't given up yet. There is a possibility that O'Park could still break a record for most
5: same-sex couples. I was speaking to the adjudicator who left the door open to uh, the possibility that we can apply. So we're going to go for it. Why not?
2: In the end, the dogged endeavor may garner Oak Park a title all its own.
1: People went all out. You could see some of the costumes, uh, the wedding gowns and the tuxedos and everything. Uh, the most extravagant one I saw was the, uh, had a like a shopping cart made up and a little poodle inside of it. And it was uh, the Oak Park Queen or Oak Park Princess or something like that. Somebody really went all out and she did a great job.
2: And if not, again going after the more traditional matrimonial maximum isn't out of the question. Oh yeah, I'll do it again, of course. She's, she's always ready, willing, and able to be in the limelight. For Pet Pulse on Zootu TV, I'm Serena Brainy.
1: And You thought people's weddings were extravagant. Now, those dogs donned their wedding dresses for a dual purpose. The event also benefited the Animal Care League of Oak Park, raising more than $6,000. Now, if you'd like to comment or see what others have to say, please go to the news section of zoo And we always invite your own story ideas, too. Just email or call us. A chihuahua in Florida is trying to overcome a major physical obstacle. But as Pet Pulse reporter John McQuiston shows us now, this little dog has a big helping hand.
0: In the arms of her owner, you first see Ruby Roo's eyes, the size of saucers. It seems it might take a moment to notice the nubs where her front legs should be, but it's obvious when Ruby Roo tries to walk.
1: Come here, Ruby.
0: A birth defect has left the five-month-old Chihuahua to face life on two legs. Hello, hello. She either pushes herself and scoots, or when she's excited, she'll get up on her back legs and she can hop around. Owner Joel Hunter says the hopping gave her part of her name.
6: Is her name as in kangaroo?
0: Yes. But now Ruby Roo has a new way to get around. Joel eases her into the canine equivalent of a wheelchair. The cart will substitute for her missing front legs. Eventually. She just wanted to sit in it and she just kind of looked at it and didn't really want to move. And if I moved, why, she'd kind of try to follow
4: me. She's got to learn It's uh, it's how to walk again, really.
0: Warren Cox, executive director of the Lakeland SPCA, says that Ruby Roo arrived when her original owner gave her up. What she needs to get. The SPCA's Guardian Angel Fund that helps animals with special medical needs could pay the $450 for a custom made cart if someone suitable would adopt her. Enter Joel Hunter. I've got a three legged dog. I've got two dogs that are blind, one's deaf. So he's cared for special needs dogs before, but none quite like this. To give you an idea of how rare Rue's condition is, the company that makes these carts, K9 Carts, says it makes about 100 of these a month. 99 of them are for dogs with rear limb impairment.
6: On the front legs, I don't think I have seen one in, that, in my career, which goes back to Noah's time. Neither
0: have the onlookers outside the SPCA. As first they watch Ruby Rue try to walk without her cart, Then see her practice with it, sometimes a process of trial and error, and other times a glimpse of what it will be like when she learns how to steer her new wheels. That's wonderful, the way that came out. That's unbelievable. Joel Hunter says his small dog with a big heart has lived happily so far, but the new cart will give her another leg up on life. She wants to chase other dogs and hasn't been able to do that. Soon she will. In Lakeland, Florida, this is John McQuiston for Pet Pulse on Zoo2 TV.
1: Now Ruby Roo's card is adjustable to account for any growing she does, and that SPCA is seeing more animals with special needs, making their Guardian Angels Fund even more important. For more information, visit LoveMySPCA.com. Now, if you'd like to comment or see what others have to say, we direct you to the news section of zoo and we always welcome your own story ideas as well. Just email or call us. The iguanas are invading South Florida. When pet owners no longer want them, they're illegally setting the lizards free. And as Pet Pulse reporter Emily Oz tells us, there are so many loose iguanas that local leaders are now stepping in.
7: Goosey may be the most outspoken animal at the Crandon Park Gardens in Miami. We get you some water in here. We get you some water. But he's not the one stirring things up at the park. It's these spiky green critters changing the very landscape of the grounds bite by bite. Up to eight years ago, we used to plant flowers. We stopped (laughs) because they ate nearly everything. Their population continues to skyrocket because iguanas have no natural predators in Florida. Man made attempts to control the non native population
4: pull back, pull back.
7: are only making uh, a dent.
1: Hold still, big boy, hold still. Here we go.
7: With a glorified fishing pole, George Ward and his crew skillfully catch the reptiles and ship them out of the state.
3: Out of here alone, we've taken out well over 6,000 animals in the last five to six years.
7: We drove 40 miles north to discover iguanas are just as much a problem in the backyard gardens of Fort Lauderdale.
6: You have to be careful never to leave your doors open
8: because we left the kitchen door open one time a couple years ago and walked in the kitchen and there was an iguana on the kitchen counter.
7: The lizards have made themselves at home at this bed and breakfast, eating the flowers, even lounging and making a mess around the pool.
8: I take the leaf net and I just go down in the water, trap the iguana and bring him up. Keep them under the
7: net. While Ben Robinson has perfected his iguana catching skills, he's hoping his county's efforts to help will catch on. Broward County has joined a growing list of municipalities asking the state of Florida to put iguanas on the list of reptiles of concern. That would require owners to get their iguana microchipped and pay an annual licensing fee of $100. The proposed changes are aimed at cutting down the number of iguanas bought as impulse purchases at Florida pet stores. But the state is hesitant. A spokesman for Florida's Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission says, quote, The commissioners haven't been receptive to putting iguanas on the list of reptiles of concern. The list is saved for potentially dangerous reptiles like boa constrictors. Iguanas don't pose a threat to public safety.
1: You see, these guys are just really, really good-looking animals. I love my job. I love my job, but people, please, if you're going to get a pet, have that devotion to keep it.
7: The Conservation Commission agrees with Ward, and in this case, responsible pet ownership works overtime by protecting Florida's delicate ecosystem from continued harm. For Pet Pulse on Zoo 2 TV, I'm Emily Oz.
1: Iguanas are native to Central and South America, and they've been living in Florida since the 60s. Experts say the iguana is one of hundreds of non-native species breeding in South Florida. And if you'd like to comment or see what others have to say, please go to the news section of zoo and we always welcome your own story ideas, too. Just email or comment. We'll be back with more pet news right after this commercial break. only on PetLifeRadio.com.
3: Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com.
1: You're listening to Pet Pulse News from Zoo2.com. Z-O-O-T-O-O. Now, for this week's pet news stories.
6: Convincing an animal to willingly do anything on command can reduce the stress of caring for them. Some of the same techniques we use for pets are now being used on an animal we typically fear. Pet Pulse reporter Victoria Lim shows us how some fish and shapes
5: can train sharks. They're certainly not furry and cute, but during feeding time at the Montmarine Marine Aquarium, you're witnessing a similarity in a supposed man eater that you'll find in man's best friend response to positive reinforcement.
8: We don't want to hurt the shark, we want them to want to go over to a certain area, and food is a pretty good motivator. Biologist Michelle Taylor is leading the training of sharks
5: to gather at specific targets. Taylor wants the sharks to recognize that when they see and swim to a target, they receive food. And not just any target, their specific target. It helps the caretakers keep track of the intake of food and vitamins, which they hide in the fish itself. Sharks aren't the only marine animals going through positive reinforcement training. Dolphins and manatees are target trained,
8: and Kelly Martin pairs targets with food for turtles. We've trained these turtles to voluntarily participate in their own medical care, um, blood samples, measurements, weights, things like that. And they're just a lot easier to work with now, too. There's less aggression. Every animal has a
5: different type of target determined by how well they recognize shapes, colors, and details, like stripes. By getting these animals to recognize that the target equals food, Taylor
8: believes they're also starting to realize the target equals a certain caretaker. I have noticed that when I go on vacation, they don't eat as well. When other people go on vacation that they're used to, they just don't seem to eat as well. So, you know, I can only assume that there's some kind of recognition. And with that recognition,
5: that could lead to the ability to provide hands-on medical care with minimal risk.
8: We'd actually like to desensitize them to touch so that when we have people in there to pull a stretcher around them, they won't start thrashing around and endangering themselves and us. So we'll slowly touch their tail as we're feeding them and positively reinforcing them with food, you know, if they're doing okay, and and just take it slowly with that. They've been training sharks for a little less than two years now.
5: Taylor says it appears to be working to their amazement oh, yeah,
8: and to that of visitors. It's fun to see people, people's reaction. Like, wow, that shark's not coming over here, but there's food here, so why is it it's going over there? It's, people don't realize that they can learn. They're intelligent creatures. For Pet Pulse on Zoo 2 TV, I'm Victoria Lynn. Food isn't the
5: only
6: reinforcer of positive behavior for marine animals touch, hand signals, and even the sound of a whistle are all signs trainers use to let an animal know they've done good. Now, if you'd like to comment and see what others have to say, go to the news section of Zoo2.com and send us your story ideas by emailing or calling us.
1: Wild horses have long been a symbol of the American West and representative of the American spirit. But after roaming the range for hundreds of years, many Mustangs' futures are very much in doubt. Pet Pulse reporter Rhonda Schulting says lack of money is at issue and time is running short
4: we have six in here in this corral it may be hard to tell the difference but the mustangs are the ones that keep a suspicious eye on strangers and are often just as careful to keep their distance
6: some of them have come from other rescue organizations that have shut down
4: five-year-old cutter once roamed free but now lives at the denkai animal sanctuary in northeast colorado where he is learning to trust humans Cutter was adopted through a Bureau of Land Management program, but then sold at auction. He would have gone to slaughter. He would have been in a Mexican slaughter plant. They're shipping him to Mexico from here. Adopted Mustangs are not supposed to end up like the horses here, rescued just in the nick of time. But budget problems within the Bureau of Land Management could change the fate of wild horses in this country. What almost happened to these horses could now very well happen to thousands of other wild Mustangs because the government agency responsible for their well-being could send them to their deaths. The Bureau of Land Management is facing a budget crisis and a proposal now being considered could lead to the euthanization or slaughter of thousands of Mustangs. To euthanize healthy horses that many is, is just a criminal, and it's cruel. The BLM's main mission is to manage public lands, and almost 33,000 Mustangs now live on the range in 10 states, but that is 6,000 more than the agency says the land can support. Because the herds grow an average of 20% a year, routine roundups like this one are held to reduce their numbers.
6: We can't let the populations go unchecked because they would destroy the habitat, uh, basically eat themselves out of house and home. Or die of um, from lack of water.
4: Once they're captured, the animals are sent to holding facilities like this one at a prison in Canyon City, Colorado. But after years of roundups, horses in captivity now number almost as many as there are in the wild, and the current economy has slowed the number of adoptions, leaving horses stranded.
3: This last fiscal year, uh, we it, it took three fourths of our wild horse and borough budget just to take care of the horses that we have in captivity. So that impacts our ability to do the work on the ground to keep these wild horses healthy, to keep their populations where they should be.
4: By law, since 2004, the BLM has been able to sell older, unadoptable animals to slaughterhouses. But there's been such an outcry from wild horse advocates that the agency has not followed through.
7: I think it's horrifying, knowing the way that they're
4: being slaughtered. There are those who believe the BLM created its own problems by taking too many horses off the land and shutting down too many areas where they used to roam, handing the range over to ranchers for their cattle. I think there are about 8 million cattle on public land at this point. So who's overpopulating? Who's eating all of the forage? The agency has tried birth control for mares with varying degrees of success and the BLM is now trying to find landowners who might welcome tax breaks to keep the mustangs on their land. But the bottom line really is that there are too many horses and just not enough money.
3: We can't continue to operate the same way we have been. I mean just with the the same budget and and the same operations.
4: The choices that will have to be made may very well change the face of the American West. These are our public lands. These are our horses. We should have a say in how they're administered. For Pet Pulse on 2 TV, I'm Rhonda Schulte.
1: Now, the Humane Society of the United States is working with the BLM to find the best way to continue giving the horses birth control, and a decision on what to do with the Mustangs could come before year's end. Now, for more information, visit wildhorseandburro.blm.gov or wildhorsepreservation.com. And if you'd like to comment or see what others have to say, please go to the news section of zootwo.com, and we always invite your own story ideas, too. Just email or call us.
6: Geese and their droppings are a reoccurring nightmare for American property owners, especially those on the East Coast. But even in Chicago and Denver, the trend is toward relying on dogs to alleviate the problem. Pet Balls reporter Joey Waller tags along with the geese police in New Jersey.
1: As Elmer Fudd from those old Bugs Bunny cartoons might say, shh, be very quiet. We're hunting geese. Well, make that chasing geese off private property. Enter Geese Police, based in Farmingdale, New Jersey, among more than a dozen companies nationally that's using border collies to remove geese. Their slogan, get the flock out. And that brings
3: a smile to most people's faces. We're driving down the road and people are looking at the truck laughing in their
1: car. So it's something that people remember us by. U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service says the East Coast population of Canada geese, as they're called, has swelled to about one million in recent years, or four times the 1990 figure. That's due largely to more parks and golf courses since these birds love grass and water. But on this football practice field, they leave their own unwanted yard markers.
3: It's a big problem because of the droppings. Each goose can drop about a pound and a half a day. It's not good for the grass, it's not good for the water, can pollute lakes, streams. Geese
1: police rep Joe Cole arrives with a specially trained dog, also named Cole. During two and a half to four years of training, herding livestock at company headquarters prepares these border collies. They're the breed proven to chase geese away most effectively.
3: What separates him from any other herding technique dog really is his eyes. He has a wolf-like glance called the eye. He stares, he stalks, his head is down, his tail is down, and he presents to a goose a predator.
1: Sure, other breeds, even you or I can chase geese, but we represent a nuisance, not a dangerous threat, so it's likely the geese will return. Walk up. Walk up. At the football field, Cole catches these geese by surprise and immediately it's game over. Geese police rains a property several times daily, seven days a week at varying times. So the geese think one dog is actually numerous predators. Thanks to geese police, eventually the birds can be reduced or even disappear at a site, like here at Eagle Oaks Golf Club. Geese police services corporations, schools, cemeteries, and private homes. Length of service and cost vary depending on each situation. They've been here roughly seven years with me. And uh, over those years, our geese uh, population has decreased to near zero.
3: Good boy, Carl. Good boy.
1: Geese police never harms the birds, but others sometimes euthanize geese by using gas, which is legal with government approval. It happened last summer at this New Jersey park. Ah, but while that reduced the number of geese here at Ocean County Park, the problem was anything but solved. Take a look. During our visit here, look what we've discovered.
3: All our methods are endorsed by the Humane Society and by PETA as well as U.S. Fish and Wildlife. That'll do here. The reason being is because we're non-threatening. All we get them to do is to fly away.
1: If necessary, border collies even take to water to do their job, though that wasn't quite needed here.
3: here. And that's their satisfaction. They don't need to grab a goose. We just
1: tell them they did a good job and they're happy. Giving new meaning to the term, following the flock. For Pet Pulse on Zoo 2 TV, I'm Joey Waller.
6: Geese police started in 1986, and they say they were the first ones to use border collies to chase geese professionally. For more information, visit geesepoliceinc.com. And if you'd like to comment and see what others have to say, go to the news section of zoo2.com and send us your story ideas by emailing or calling us.
1: You've been listening to Pet Pulse News from Zoo2.com. Z-O-O-T-O-O, the leader in pet news and information. Heard each week on PetLifeRadio.com.